Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. And today I'm delighted to have Quimby Melton, who is the co-founder and CEO of Confection, based out of uh, California. West Coast, um, and we're going to talk about privacy today. But first of all, Quimby, please introduce yourself. Hey, Elias, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to chat with your audience. Um, and like you said, I'm a CEO and co-founder of Confection, um, and we're focused on helping companies uh, make the transition to a privacy-first browsing environment, and uh, in particular, helping marketers uh, do the job that they need to in the, uh, in the emerging future. So privacy-first um, is something that at least over here in Europe, and for the listeners, we're based out of the Netherlands, um, came up that that whole privacy first discussion mainly came up during the um, GDPR era 2018. Uh, We had all kinds of marketers uh, reaching out to us and they were afraid of of losing, let's say the majority of their database, et cetera. Um, So they were, (laughs) were anxious to find ways to to grow their database in, in good good ways, but also for ways to explain to their uh, C-level executives why all of a sudden their database had shrank that much, um, which I think shouldn't be a problem because it's better to um, to have a good segmented database instead of just a, a blast uh, to email database to which you send like a, an unsegmented uh, newsletter or any, any um, kind of uh, communication. Um, but um, what what does privacy first mean to you, Quimby? So I think it's a great question. It makes some good points about um, GDPR. In some ways, I think GDPR, if it's not the origin, you know, of privacy first, it certainly is, uh, you know, was maybe the first shot across the bow or the first thing that made people really wake up. Um, and I think with privacy first, you know, we talk about three interest groups and one is policymakers, GDPR uh, being kind of the marquee version of that. Um, the other is everyday web users who are demanding more uh, control over the data they share. And then, of course, there are businesses who are currently being squeezed in the middle of those two interest groups. Um, and, you know, businesses, uh, marketing operations teams still need uh, data to do their best work and return value to shareholders. So those three groups, I think, really uh, represent the power structure of uh, of privacy first. And also their competing interests is really what create the space that the confection and other uh, products like ours play in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very interesting space and there's lots of competition between those three groups. But I think with a little bit of planning, um, you can really build a system that works for your business that accommodates the needs of all three groups. Absolutely. So the next wave, I almost have to say here in right. privacy first is, is that that third party cookie abandonment uh, that is uh going to be effective somewhere this year. Um, for the listeners that are not aware, because I think a lot of marketers have heard about it, but they're not too sure what it exactly is. So first of all, what's, what's, what is the difference between that third and first party coup? Right. So it's interesting where, you know, the, again, back to the idea of kind of the, the, the marquee issue that people discuss, you know, the, the death of third-party cookies is a way that it gets discussed. I, I think that that is not terribly well-defined um, because when people talk about cookies, they will use that as a, a sort of byword for all kinds of data gathering technology. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the end of third-party cookies, we're talking about more than just browser-level data storage and then who accesses that data, right? We're actually talking about a, the end of a suite of things, including pixels, trackers, uh, the cross-domain scripts, 
so the third, the death of third-party cookies is about more than just browser-level data storage. It's about the end of the way that we've gathered uh, information online and moved it around for the past 30 years in, in a marketing context, I should say. Okay. Um, so when we go forward, we need to think about ways that we're going to own our own rails, right? Mm-hmm. And what you just said, you know, Elias, in terms of uh, first-party data assets and being judicious about how you use those assets, I think the smart marketers going forward are really people who are going to do that well. Um, and when I say own your own rails, I mean, you're, you're in charge of your own primary data ingestion, right? Bringing data into your systems. Um, you're in charge of the ways that you are proactive about using it. And those were the examples that you gave, you know, not just blasting out to, a, you know, a, an untargeted email audience. Um, and I think those doing those two things, if you do nothing else, making sure that you own your own rails um, in terms of ingestion, and then you're being proactive about how you use your first party data, I think you'll be ahead of most teams um, going forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just to, to make this really clear to listeners, because I get asked this question a lot uh, from especially B2B marketers that are using any kind of a CDP or marketing automation solution. So let's say, let's make this very practical. Let's say they're a Marketo user or a, a HubSpot user. Um, is that a considered, um, that HubSpot cookie, is that considered first or third party? So it's a great question. And it's, this is one of the reasons I love this space is because it, there's a lot of confusion, which means there's a lot of opportunity for great discussions like this. So um, strictly speaking, right, the information that you're going to bring into your CRM, whether it's Marketo or HubSpot, is first party information. But mm-hmm. just because it's first party information doesn't mean that you're not going to experience some disruptions on uh, in terms of ingestion. So, for example, you may lose some contextual data around what John Doe, when he submitted his email address, it may make it to your CRM. But you may be missing a lot of contextual information about what channel did he come from? What pages did he visit when you were on your site? What other types of engagement has he done with your context or for your, with your content rather? And the reason for that is because the Facebook script or pixel that was operating on the front end, right, failed to fire when someone clicked a, 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 a submit button, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, the, they were using a privacy-first browser or a VPN or something that would essentially block the cross-domain script. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the origin story for Confection involves exactly this, where uh, before Confection, I ran an agency called Studio Hyperset. And we had a client that emailed us one day back in 2019 and said, why are our um, Marketo forms not appearing in Brave. Um, and if your listeners aren't familiar with it, Brave is a privacy-focused browser that mm-hmm. disables scripts and, and third-party cookies by default. And so we dug into it and we realized that when Marketo loads a form, it also brings in a lot of Adobe um, analytics scripts as well as ad scripts. And so Brave would just refuse to, to serve the form, which obviously is a problem from a marketing operations standpoint. Um, as we dug deeper into it, we realized it was going to affect all kinds of events, um, and that would include things like page views, button clicks, uh, you know, conversion events. And that's when we realized we had a real opportunity to build something that would um, respect the uh, privacy of everyday users, but also help businesses keep um, ingesting the information they need to, to do their best work. So it would even basically uh, make your unsubscribe uh, field useless. <laughs> That, that's right, Alas, and that's actually really interesting. And one of the things that we talk about with people, I think that are surprising to a lot of people are consent management sol- uh, solutions like CMPs. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about um, you know the CMPs is you may have someone who opts in or out or says, you know, I'm okay with that, but the event fails to fire because the script for the product is being blocked. So there's this really kind of ironic layer to this that even privacy focused tools may fail to write events back to their, um, uh, you know, their system because of a block script. 
So um, in, in practice, I've seen this happen a lot, and there is, there is a couple of ways that you can uh, prevent this from happening. There's uh, also uh, marketing automation vendors that have solved that problem in, in, in one way or another. Um, so let's not discuss that too long, but um, it is going to affect your lead gen, this whole privacy first approach, because people are getting more and more conscious, um, younger people um, and older people, but it, I think younger people to a larger extent use uh, cookie blockers, they use all kinds of like ghostery tools, or they don't want to see the ads. In fact, I'm I'm using an ad blocker uh, myself, and, and I'm working in the industry. And every time I click a Google ad, right. I get like a ghostery prompt out that says this is an external link, you know, whatever. So it makes you think think twice to actually visit that website. This is going to affect your your lead gen a lot, I guess. So how how how, mm -hmm. how what's your vision on that? I think you're exactly right. And I think there are three levels of disruption on that, right? Level one is what you said, just kind of basic technology friction, um, where if you're using an ad blocker, it just kind of makes it less convenient for you to explore a site. And so you just essentially bounce, right? That's mm -hmm. one way. The other way is what I said before, where a form isn't appearing, right? And that's obviously a much larger problem. And then the third is just missing contextual information. You know, it's, it's all well and good to have someone's contact information. But if you don't understand the journey that brought them there, you know, the channel, the things they were interested in, it can make your sales process a lot higher friction and a lot less effective. Um, as far as working around it, you know, I think I think that there's currently kind of a battle going on between people and, and businesses within this space, right? Mm -hmm. And again, our long-term vision on that is really to build a solution that balances the interest of all these three groups that we've been talking about, policymakers, people, and businesses. So as we move into that, you know, really what we want to build is a system that's less um, uh high friction um, or it's lower friction because those those kind of privacy consent banners can be very invasive. And when you land on a site and you're excited about seeing some content, right? And the first thing that happens is you see a banner that pops up and says, you know, do you consent to all our cookies, right? It's kind of a turnoff from a, a consumer standpoint. So in our, our situation, what we've done is we've done it just in time in the sense of when you land on the site, you won't see anything. It's only when you begin to submit sensitive information that we'll get your consent on that. So I think it's important to reduce friction uh, from the user standpoint with respect to, uh, to consent. And then obviously, it's also important to make sure you're tracking those consent events um, effectively so that you can actually respect what people want you to do. And to do that, we really have to operate in an entirely new kind of architecture that doesn't have any front-end dependencies on things like cookies or cross-domain scripts. Absolutely, absolutely. So for me, that whole terminology, um, consent, as we as marketers use it, um, basically equals honesty to me. It's For sure, it's, yes, and I, I would agree. And I think that's the the whole issue that is going on here in the industry. And I think that's that's actually a great movement that's going on because um, all um, consumers would like to have a great experience when they visit a website. And no one argues that. I think if you talk to right. people, it's like, do you want to use a free app? Um, do you want to pay for that weather app? Or do you want to pay for that news app? Um, lots of people don't want to pay for that app. And they understand that they're, data basically is being used as a form, as a form of payment. That, that's right. one thing. But on the other hand, that's done very often in, a, in like a sneaky way by marketers. They don't tell people it's somewhere in the, um, in the, uh, in, in the terms that you agree to when you download an app, which no one reads. And there's a lot of data there. Facebook puts it away everywhere you, where you can find it. 
Um, so, right. and I think that that whole movement, if if marketers become more honest about how that data is being used, I think they'll they'll also get a lot of understanding from the audience. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's a real business case to be made for giving people more control over their data. And you know, on the most basic level, why would you want to mark? Why would you want to spend time and money and resources? marketing to someone who doesn't want to be marketed to, you know, absolutely. So what you say, you know, where you start to build trust uh, based relationships, mutually respectful relationships, like that's only going to help your marketing and sales processes because people, you know, people who want to be um, who are interested in your business, right. They will self-identify as they make their way through the funnel and they will either not opt out or they will consent in, I guess we could say in, in another way. So mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more that, you know, building trust-based relationships on the soft side, kind of the, the qualitative side of this discussion is also very, very important in addition to all these technology disruptions that we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and I think one of the final questions I might have is, is how can CMOs act or how can they use this knowledge to adapt their strategy to this. Right. And, and that's another great point is we can even go up a level and talk about kind of strategic initiatives, not just the tactics. Um, I think, you know, I think you said it exactly right in terms of when you're talking to your team, you know, the main directive is how do we build trust-based relationships, right? How do we, how do we listen to people? Um, one of our SDRs is a great line that marketing is about talking and sales is about listening. Um, and I love that because I think he's exactly right. And I think as we go forward in time, marketing is going to become more about listening as well. And listening can take many different forms in terms of reading your data sets, obviously. Um, but also, you know, again, back to this idea of respecting consent and respecting what people want from your business, whether it's today, tomorrow, or down the road, um, just listening to people a little bit better. So I guess from a CMO perspective, that might be uh, the best directive of all is say, you know, let's listen to the people that we market to. Uh, let's do a good job of listening to them um, and let's, let's respect them and let's build relationships with them based on those, uh, on those two, um, on those two directives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's some great advice to, to CMOs out there. Um, the other thing that it also implicates is that um, their technology stack that they're currently using might not be as accurate as they expect it to be in the future. Right. That's right. So I think, you know, back down to tactics, you know, our stacks really do need um, quite a bit of reevaluation. And I would say, again, from a strategic level, and we'll start with strategy, move down into tactics. From a strategic level, I think the idea is, you know, to tell your team, we need to own our own rails, right? And what's really amazing, you know, Apple makes, makes this change to iOS, and it really, in a big way, kind of kneecaps Facebook, right, and their ability to collect information and move it around. So this is, this is an issue that is not limited to, you know, small and medium-sized businesses. This is, you know, applicable to the largest players in the, in the industry. And so any time that you can ask yourself, are we owning our own rails in terms of data ingestion, in terms of data ownership and data distribution, um, that is going to empower you long term to, to really outcompete the other people that, that you're in your market space. And the reason for that is, is that not everyone has that kind of control. So reevaluating your stack and saying, does do all these elements communicate well with one another, even in, in, considering the uh, disruptions that we're going to see on the browser side? And does it allow us to, to move information around in a way that we need to, to, to meet our objectives? So if I were a CMO at a large company, that, was the, that would be the question I would be asking uh, myself and my team is making sure that we're sort of anti-fragile with respect to moving forward and um, uh, in privacy first. 
Mm-hmm. And in terms of tactics, you know, I think reevaluating the tools that you're using and saying, do we need this or do we not? Is it necessary? If it is, how do we harden it against these disruptions going forward? Love it. Great advice, Quimby. Um, thank you very much uh, for this advice to CMOs and marketers out there listening. Um, it was great to have you on the Marketing Technology Podcast, and I hope to have you back in the near future because this is a topic that people keep want to want to keep on learning uh, on because this is something that is going to evolve and evolve over the next few years. So thank you very much, Quimby. I will uh, share a link to your LinkedIn profile as well as a, a website, uh, a link to the uh, Confection website uh, in the show notes. And um, well, looking forward for uh, to our next uh, conversation. It was a pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.